It's 12.47 p.m. December 23rd, 2021. This is episode 6 of the Anonymous Order. Alright, welcome to the show, everybody. Somehow I've managed to get six episodes out of this crap. What do you think of the new music? I don't know. It is what it is. I, it's really hard to find good, um, what would you call it, royalty-free music. And a lot of people who hear that I'm trying to yeah, write music or find music for a podcast, uh, whether it's this show or any other show, nobody knows I run this show, actually, but <coughs> any other show... They always think, why don't you just write your own music? Because I write music all the time. I'm in, sitting in a music studio right now recording this podcast. And the reason I don't do that is because I can't write music <laughs> like that. I'm not capable of it. It can't, it can't come out of me. Uh, I don't really get to pick what I write. And I've written a lot of stuff, and I promise you none of it sounds anything like it would be a good intro to a podcast now there is some you know kind of jam and rock riffs that maybe i could pull off do like a mark Marin thing where he just kind of plays some blues between segments or whatever i think that's doable but i just don't want to for some reason well welcome to the show this is the show that it is uh, anonymous order podcast i remain anonymous i don't intend to reveal my identity and that's kind of how this show works i literally am the only human that knows this exists my family does not know that i do this podcast none of them not even my wife which will bring you to topic number one which is divorce <laughs> i've gotten pretty deep on this show i try to treat it almost like a journal entry i want to be real honest and forward and i've talked quite a bit about my relationship with my wife on this show and i believe episode four was titled a separation and essentially my wife had left me back in july of 2021 and we did not work it out uh, she filed for divorce December 1st, 2021, and I signed the papers on the 19th, which is just about three or four days ago. And um, to be honest, I feel pretty shitty about the whole situation. I, she's, This is my second wife, and I really love her still. I wish I didn't. It would be a lot easier <laughs> if I didn't, but I do. Even though she's done some horrible things. I don't even know if she's really done horrible things. But she's done things to where I should be able to be mad. And almost happy to be rid of her. And I'm not. I'm, I'm just not. And I don't know if I've really told anybody that. You know, people ask you how you're doing. It's like, oh, we're doing okay. You know, one day at a time. But really, I'm not doing okay right now. Uh, 
with the whole situation. I, I'm, I'm not okay with it. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever actually said that out loud to anybody. I, I know I haven't said that out loud to anybody. You, you, you just take it. You know, the whole thing's just kind of happening to me. And I'm trying to find ways to be okay with it. I'm, I'm looking forward. That's when I feel good. I noticed I was feeling horrible. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, somewhere I'd kind of feel okay about it. Not happy by any means, but like there was this silver lining, this little bit of hope. And I'd feel okay for like a few hours. And I'd be like, God damn, how do I hold on to that feeling? What do I need to do? And what it really was that gives me that feeling is just looking to the future, just planning something, a poker game, a poker night with your buddies, anything, just plan something. It would be my only advice to anybody going through a really hard time is don't look back, look forward. I know that's really stupid basic advice, but really if I sit back and reminisce or think about the past, I get really sad. And there's going to be this balance, right, that I'm going to have to find where you're not just completely forgetting the past and forgetting who you are, where you came from, and you're not avoiding accepting the reality of the situation. <clears throat> That's what I need to balance is I need to accept it. I need to process what's happening, but I need to look forward and move on and there's a balance there where you need to still process everything but it feels so much better to not <laughs> to just kind of look forward and so that's what i've been doing i've been hosting uh some poker games you know really trying to figure out who i am you know i'm, I'm almost 40 years old now the kids are getting older 15 and 18 you know not really needing me much anymore and i'm just trying to figure out god who the fuck am i like what the fuck am i doing here now you know like you take away half the family and i don't know who i am anymore or what i'm supposed to be doing or ooh. it's it's an odd feeling it's a really odd feeling uh I think I'll get through it. I've last few weeks I've had some hope, a little bit of, well now I can do whatever I want, right? Like, <laughs> but those days are kind of behind me. You don't. That's a really cool feeling in your twenties. When you're pushing forty, I I don't love this feeling of kind of being forced to unsettle down. Is one thing I don't like about it, like, I kind of felt like I had my shit together and had this plan for the future, and it all just, like that, gone completely out of my control. Like, I had nothing really to do with what happened. Of course I did, but I honestly thought things were going pretty well. So that was a whole nother side swipe of dose of reality of things can feel like they're going well when they're not and i try to find a lesson in it all i think one thing i've learned is life is chaotic and it just always will be 
<laughs> for, for for everybody, pretty much in different levels of chaos. But it doesn't just go the way that you think it will. And this won't be the last thing, the last storm I have to get through. But it is temporary. And I will get to the other side. But life is just kind of messy and chaotic. And you just you just need to ride it out. And, and another lesson I've learned is... How do I put this? Con just kind of confront. I walked on eggshells with my wife quite a bit. She had borderline personality disorder. And the number one book written for people who live or love somebody with borderline personality disorder is called Stop Walking on Eggshells, How to Cope with loving somebody with borderline personality disorder. If, if, if you are constantly walking on eggshells with a partner, they might have this disorder. <clears throat> and one thing I noticed is I would always kind of tell myself, like, oh, if I say or do this or that, it's going to lead to this or it's going to lead to we would be divorced or split up or whatever if I did A, B, or C. And I think one lesson I'm pulling away from it is we got divorced anyway, right? It, it, what's going to happen is probably going to happen anyway. So just do what you think is right at the time is, I guess, one lesson. I can't really put it in words that I kind of took away from it last night as I was just kind of listening to some old records, had the house to myself. And it was like an epiphany. I was like, holy shit. Like, I did all that, and I still just ended up where I am. You know, it, it kind of reminded me of something that uh, Jim Carrey said about his father, where his father kind of played it safe. I think he was an accountant or something. And his father was really funny and kind of wanted to be a comedian, kind of wanted to go for it like Jim Carrey did, right? But he didn't. He played it safe. He had to feed his kids and became an accountant or something, played it safe, and then just got laid off and lost everything anyway. <laughs> and the, the lesson Jim Carrey took away from that is you can play it safe, you can take this path of least resistance, kind of compromise a part of yourself for the greater good or whatever, and still fail anyway. And that's what this lesson reminded me of was I felt like I did everything I could and compromised parts of myself to get to this point and it just ended anyway so for what why did I do that and I guess that's a lesson that I'm going to pull from this is just kind of be, be yourself. I know it sounds so fucking corny, but don't compromise yourself to keep the peace with someone that's eventually not going to allow the peace to be kept anyway. That's one takeaway I have for all this. But I do love her. I love her to death. I always will. 
and that's that's a painful thing to swallow that that's shitty but on the upside <laughs> i do have like time like i'm like i can play poker i can i can travel i can get on my motorcycle and go there's this whole new element of freedom that i like that I'm trying to continue planning events, looking ahead because that's how I feel better. <clears throat> and I post I hosted this poker game at my place and I've always loved poker. It's always wanted to have a regular game. Never could quite get it together. It's always hard to get people to come. And you don't want a bunch of strangers or people coming over taking over the house every weekend or whatever when you got the family, but my family's pretty much gone now. I can kind of do whatever I want and and uh, it's 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 funny. It's kind of like herding cats, getting a poker game together and getting everybody on the same page. And plus the world's colliding of like your sister, your childhood friend, your boss, <laughs> and your coworker all sitting at the same table playing a game. It's just weird. People that have never met that you never really thought would meet. And the world's just kind of start colliding. But honestly, the funniest thing about it all is just trying to get everybody on the same page of what type of night you're trying to create. And as the words came out of my mouth, as I said that, I realized I probably shouldn't be trying to create a specific night because that doesn't really happen. But really, I was like, I thought, okay, I'll allow drinking right at this poker event. But in no means am I throwing some big rager. That's not my style. I don't want people coming and treating my house like a hotel or worse, like a bar. You know, I I, <laughs> I just wanted to play poker, really. But everybody has their own idea of what poker night is at your house. And nothing, I think, better explains this than <laughs> that first game I had. Or I said, yeah, beer's allowed. People ask, can we bring beer? Yeah, bring your own beer. I'll have a few on hand, you know. And I went and bought some of the good stuff. Everything's in bottle, you know. It can fit nice into the cup holder, the nice poker table that I got all cleaned up. It's a good, solid poker table. I got new poker chips. And this is going to be a cool night. And I'm going to be sipping a little bit of a, you know, Jim Beam or something, you know, throughout the night. And something to take the edge off. <laughs> and then... The questions start coming in of, well, what are we doing? Who, who, who are we going to do food and all that? I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to feed like 30 people, you know? <laughs> Sorry. This isn't like a big party. It's just a poker night, right? And then, you know, a buddy of mine, you know, shows up. He's He's got like a six-pack of Stella Atois, you know? Another guy has um, some other nice beer, you know? That's pretty good. I'm like, yeah, people are getting the vibe. You know, that's kind of what I bought and what I have. And then you have old Rick. <laughs> he gets dropped off in this big old dirt, dirty pickup truck. And he comes wobbling over half drunk already with a 30 pack of, <laughs> 30 case pack of paps, you know, under his arm, looking like he's already half drunk. It's 2 p.m. on a Saturday, right? And you're like, oh, my God, you know, Rick's here to party. <laughs> you know, he's, he, he's, I don't even think he realizes we're playing poker, right? And he's pounding beers and guzzling my sipping whiskey that would last me a year. He's put it all down in, in an hour. And, you know, and it's just kind of chaotic. <laughs> you just kind of want to have a nice 
night and uh, old Rick, you know, you're always going to have that friend or nephew or um, uncle or somebody, cousin, who's going to show up with a 30 case of paps <laughs> all for himself, you know. It's just funny. But, you know, we got into some heated discussions. There's this stupid math probability thing. I, I realize I think of the world differently than most people. And I think of it in a very probabilistic sense. If my brain can figure out the basic probabilities of a situation, it will. Now, if there's some crazy shit that's hard to figure out, no, I'm not some genius by any means. But I think of things improbabilities. If somebody flips a coin, my mind is going to say 50-50 chance it's heads or tails. I think most people understand that at that level. But where it breaks down is anything to do with poker or gamblers. There's there's gamblers. I've had this argument with my two of my buddies in separate occasions who don't even know each other. They're both very similar where they talk about like taking the dealer's bust card in blackjack, right? And they're adamant that this is a real thing. And I could prove it wrong to them a thousand times with some very, very basic math. And they never break. I've done it both with one of the guys who came over for my poker game last week. And I've had the same argument with the other guy who reminds me of this guy as we were growing up playing poker. They're both kind of degenerate gamblers a little bit. They love the gamble. They love to stay in a poker hand that they shouldn't stay in much longer because they have a feeling that it's coming or this intuition or to flip through a deck and be like, eight of clubs and flip one over. And it's it's never the eight of clubs, but if it's a club, they're like, oh my gosh, see, I could feel it. Or if it's an eight, oh my gosh, see, I knew it was an eight. When it's completely random, right? There's a one in 52 chance. And, and a one in 13 chance that it's one of the eights or whatever. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> Anyway, um, specifically, the taking the dealer's bust card is a big argument that to me is so obvious. It's such an obvious bullshit argument. And and here's how it goes, and I don't want to get way into the details of gambling on this podcast or whatever, but if you're one of these idiots that gets mad at people for taking the dealer's bus card, please, God, just stop. Just stop being an idiot. That's all I'm going to ask. But essentially, let's go over it really quick since I've put this much time into it anyway. In Blackjack, the last guy to act, people tend to get mad if he hits because he took the dealer's bus card when in reality the cards to come are mixed up at random and that's just truth they're unknown random cards and it's no more likely that the top card is a 10 than the card underneath it there's none not even a 0.00001% chance that it's more likely that one card in that deck is anything other than any other card in the deck at random, doesn't matter if it's on the top of the deck, bottom of the deck, middle of the deck, they're all unknown cards. <clears throat> to prove my point, take away all the noise of the taking the dealer's bus card and just take a deck of cards and just say, the chance of this 
being an ace. There's 13, there's four aces in a deck of 52 cards. That's four and 52, which is one in 13, right? So just take that basic knowledge and know that your argument, if you say it's taking the dealer's best card, is that it's more likely that ace is on the top than the second card underneath the top card. There's no reason to believe that. I'm not going to go into this anymore. I can already tell this is this is a horrible, like, cat, uh, <coughs> horrible topic for for a podcast. But it j- just 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 if if you ever think this way, just play it out in your just play the hand out. And, and and you'll 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 realize it. I should not even have talked about it at all. <coughs> but in a larger context of the thinking of math and probabilities is this COVID shit, where you have so much speculation into this taking this vaccine, and I I, I don't understand. And I can't bring myself to understand where the speculation is coming from, from a math probabilistic standpoint. That's the way my mind thinks. So when somebody says, and I've had a lot of people at work tell me this, like, I'm not taking it. I'm going to make sure you don't grow a tail or something. Or A lot of them would actually rather get COVID than take the vaccine. So... <laughs> I've heard several people say that. They're like, I think I already had it. Or, oh, you know, I'll just take my chances with it, you know. But if you look at just the don't worry about Trump or any politics, get all that shit out of your mind. Just look at the stats from a probabilistic standpoint. COVID has killed 800 thousand people in the United States over the course of like a year and a half. Now, if taking the vaccine had killed 800,000 people over the course of a year and a half, then it would be a 50-50 decision. Just keep that in mind. And I might have already said this on the podcast, but just... If getting the shot had killed 800,000, and it hasn't, that number is almost zero. I think there have been a couple people who have gotten the shot that have passed away, maybe for other reasons. But even if there was hundreds, until it reaches the same amount that the disease causes death-wise, it's a 50-50 decision. Even if COVID had killed 400,000 people, or if the vaccine had killed 400,000 people, it's still way smarter to take the vaccine. It's not a complicated math problem. And I just, I don't understand how they think that not taking the vaccine is less risky. You'll never be able to convince me of that, ever. And I remember people coming in and being like, oh, people are getting blood clots. There's like 
four confirmed blood problems <laughs> from this vaccine. I'm like, so that's like one in a million? You're worried about that? You know, it doesn't make sense, man. And again, if you're a conservative, you're not even paying attention to me anymore. And if you're, and if you're a liberal, you're like, preach it, sister. For some reason, everything is political now. Everything, even like math, apparently. It, 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 it's a very, very odd time to live right now. It, it's way worse than, it, than it's ever been in my lifetime, and I'm not very old, but I've never seen it quite this bad. We've always had these disagreements on policy or right and wrong. That's always been there, and always will be. But now we're disagreeing on what's reality. And we're disagreeing on risk, which is figured out with data. So, again, reality. And I don't know where we go from here. When people start getting this diluted, that's when bad things really have the potential to start happening really good people will do really bad things when their mind is diluted that much. Usually things that can cause that are cults, of course, religion. Uh, I don't really know the difference between the two, but, you know. <laughs> and right now, you know, with Trump, it's he's much more of a cult leader or a religious leader than he is anything else. These people have undying unconditional love respect and for him and they'll follow him. And that's normal throughout history. People kind of want a strong man to get behind and be part of something, right? That, that, that's, that happens. That's kind of normal. <clears throat> it's just really scary when that person is very obviously unstable and is actively convincing an entire population of untrue things, of a reality that doesn't exist. It's dangerous. It's very dangerous. Christmas. <laughs> it is December 23rd. Third, I still got uh, 45 minutes before it's Christmas Eve. And I have Christmas on my notes of something to talk about. I have no idea what I wanted to say about it. I guess just how's your guys' Christmas going? How's everybody feeling with the holidays? I'm really happy I can actually go see the family this year. No more Zoom Christmas like we did last year. Um, I'm hoping everybody's feeling good through the holidays. I personally am not feeling that great, but given the circumstances, I feel I'm doing okay. Uh, I don't have anything else to say about Christmas. Uh, there, there, There is one thing that I will bring up 
before I end this short, pointless episode six of the anonymous order orator orator i really don't know how to say the name of my show is uh my 15 year old is driving now he has his learner's permit we get to go out every day because he has to get a bunch of hours in every time we go anywhere i have to sit in the passenger seat of this death trap and literally just give him the keys and say, have at it, boy. <laughs> it's so fucking scary. He's good. He's a good driver. Thank the Lord. He just doesn't have any experience. And I, you know, I don't want him to get this false sense of security by me, like, building him up and being like, you're so good. And he just thinks he's good and crashes. But you don't also want to tell him, like, they're horrible. When they, you know, and he's not. And like break them down so there's like this this balancing act but we live in a pretty busy area a lot of traffic and he keeps forgetting certain rules about when he has to ride away and when he doesn't and, <laughs> and damn near killing us all every time and every trip we go on there's a one moment where i'm like oh my god you know <laughs> and uh it, it, it you know it is what it is but I just figured I'd throw that out there again. This show is more of a diary entry for myself rather than a really well-polished podcast. Uh, so I guess that's just something that we want to keep in mind as we're <laughs> as we're working our way through this. But I didn't put a bunch of time into planning this episode. And I usually don't for this show. But I do like doing it. It has served the purpose. I like going back and listening to some of the older episodes. And, you know, and I listen to it and I think, yeah. I say actually too much. And I say um too much. And why the hell did I pick that music? I hate the music on the first five episodes. I still don't like the music that I'm about to play us out on. However... It's got to be better than that first bit, right? <laughs> it's It's got to be better than that. But, you know, on that note, I'm just going to wish you all a Merry Christmas. And maybe I'll figure out my password to the, the email address for this podcast. Anonymous Orator Podcast at gmail.com, I believe. And see if anybody's listening. It shows on my stats that I have some listeners. But I don't know that that's true. I just don't know that that's real. Anyway, thanks for listening. Closing out episode six of the Anonymous Order podcast. And I'll see you on the next one. You guys have a good one. <laughs>